Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. If you made a list of all of the commands in the New Testament, would you be surprised to discover that on that list would be this one? We are commanded to call the elders of the church to come to your house. That's in James 5.14. God commands you, under certain circumstances, to summon the elders to your house. And when you do that, we have to come. Uh, Let's read. We've been studying through James. We're in chapter 5, starting in verse 13. I'll read in, in, in verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Why call the elders of all people? I mean, if, you, if what you need is physical restoration, why not call a doctor? They had doctors back then. Or, or somebody with the gift of healing. Why the elders? If you back up one verse, you'll see that James is bringing up three scenarios. If you can just think back the last couple of weeks to our sermons. It, um, there's three situations, three scenarios. He said, are you in this situation? Do this. Are you in this situation? Do this. And then in this situation, do that. There's three of them. After the first two, we think we know what's coming in the third one, but James throws a, a curveball. He says, is any one of you in trouble? Go to God, right? Go to God. Is any one of you happy? Go to God. Is any one of you sick? Go to the elders? What, what is that about? Why the change? And then from there, after he talks about going to the elders, he starts from there talks about confessing our sins to each other. He said, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. And then from there, he starts talking about rescuing those who go astray. Twice, he actually uses the word to save. And both times, the agent of the saving isn't what you expect. You expect it to be God. It's not. It's people. This is all about prayer. So ultimately, it's God that does the saving, right? We understand that. God is the one who does the rescuing, the restoring, the saving, the healing. But it comes through the prayers of people. James started with private prayer, but now he's moving to praying for one another in the body. Um, And it's only through those prayers that the restoration and the healing that he's talking about comes. So the reality that's staring us in the face here, and I know some of you don't want to hear this, but it's inescapable. The reality is your walk with the Lord is a community project. It really is. 
That's the inescapable reality and, and, and of this and countless other passages in the New Testament. It's a community project. We have to reject the the privatized Jesus and me religion of Western culture where we prize our individualism and our privacy. That's got to go. God has not equipped you to live the Christian life alone. You just, he doesn't give you what you needed. He, he, didn't, he didn't enable you to do it by yourself. He's not giving you the grace to do it on your own. We're in a war here. And, and in this war, lone rangers are dead rangers. You take any body part, we're the, we're the body of Christ, right? You take any part of your body and you take it out, disconnect it from the body, put it on a table, and it'll die. No matter how healthy it was, it'll die. And even if it didn't die, if you could somehow keep it alive, what good would it be? What would its purpose of her existence be? Be useless and worthless. God designed you to need the rest of the body, and he designed the rest of the body to need you. That's the way body parts work. So the more you cut yourself off from the body, the more worthless you make yourself, and ultimately it's suicide for you and damaging to the body. James is very clear that health is going to come through the community, through the church. And where health is lacking, uh, the healing will come through the prayers of others. Look at verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is praying for each other. The private prayer in verse 13, that's not enough. It's important. We spent two weeks on it. It's a big deal, but it's not enough by itself. The question we asked the last two weeks in the sermons has been, how is your personal private prayer life? The question we're going to be asking next week is, how's your corporate prayer life? Praying for one another. But here, today, we're asking, how is your being prayed for life? How's your, I, I thought about titling the sermon that. How's your being prayed for Life. How much do you feel the need for people to pray for you, to ask them to pray for you? Because if you're going to make it, you need prayer. You need to be prayed for in the areas of your weaknesses. And that's not going to happen if you're so closed off that nobody knows what your weaknesses are, where you're needy. So this is going to require some people to let go of pride and jettison the fantasy of your own self-sufficiency and strength and let people know in what areas you need prayer. So many people come to church like a man with uh, massive internal bleeding that comes to a hospital and says, oh, I'm fine, just give me an aspirin. (laughs) Why would you do that? Why would you hide, why would you go to a hospital and then hide your illness? Why would you do that? If you've been around here very long, you know at Agape, we make much of the one another's, right? We're all about the one another's. We have our one another hour, 945. We're all about the, the, the one another commands in the New Testament. Love one another, encourage one another, build one another up, confess your sins to one another, rebuke one another, forgive one another, all those. When we talk about those here, there are some of you who are mainly focused on your duty, your responsibility to 
perform those things, to offer those things to everyone else. Uh, you need to love people. You think, I need to bear their burdens. I need to rebuke them. I need to encourage them. I need to strengthen them and to spur them on towards loving good deeds and all that. And you, you see that side of it. And you might forget that you have just as much responsibility to receive those things from others. Right? Because it's one another. And to ask for them. If the Bible commands us to rebuke one another, that means that not only must you rebuke those who need it, but you need to be rebuked, to receive rebuke from those when you need it. If the Bible says to encourage one another, you you need to encourage, but you also need to receive, be willing to receive encouragement. And if it says pray for one another, guess what? You need to do what this verse commands and ask for prayer. And if you're unwilling to receive... You're fouling up the process because we can't give if you don't receive. Right? Now, other people need to be reminded in the other direction as well. Uh, some of you are all about receiving and not giving. Right? You're focused on being loved and being cared for and being taken care of. and be, You don't realize your responsibility to love and care for others. You're only thinking of people serving you. You want to come here. You want to be greeted, you want to be welcomed, you want to be invited to things, you want to be received, you want to get counsel when you need counsel, you want to be taught, you want a bulletin, you want the church to be cleaned up after you leave, you want the microphones to work, you want the kids to be taught, you want all this stuff done, and it's not even on your radar screen that you have the responsibility to actually serve yourself, do do some of that stuff yourself. So it needs we need to understand both directions. Um, Every healthy body part is dependent on the rest of the body and exists to serve the body, right? Every body part exists to serve the rest of the body so that the body can function. And so it's both giving and receiving. And guess what that rules out? Privacy. It's ruled out. There there are a lot of people in the church that, that prize their privacy because of our we're a private culture and we think we have the right to privacy somebody actually found that in the constitution somewhere somehow privacy we worship privacy and there are people that prize their privacy more than they care about you somehow they think that they have the option of being a christian and a private person <laughs> they think they have the prerogative of having this huge personal space no no that's false God does not give his people the option of being private people. This is a family. It's not like some churches have a family feel, other churches that... God says, the Bible says, every church is a family. We are a family. That's what the Bible calls us. And you cannot be in a family and function as a family and be private. And the desire to do so, the desire to be private, reveals some heart problems. It, it really does. Proverbs 18.1 says, One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires and he rebels against all sound judgment. I mean, do you realize what you're admitting to if you call yourself a private person? You say, well, I'm a private person. That's like saying, oh, hi, I'm Daryl and I'm selfish and I rebel against all sound judgment. <laughs> nice to meet you. Privacy is out of the question in the church because privacy is always, always the enemy of intimacy. You can't have both. You can have privacy, you can have intimacy, you can't have both. And some of you are thinking, but I, I, don't, I don't want to get hurt again. I can't get hurt again. I've got to protect myself. Well, then, you're in the wrong religion. 
You need to go and find a religion that allows you to place your own comfort above the commands of God and your own wisdom above God's wisdom, if that's what you want. But if you want to be a Christian, self-protection as a priority above God's commands is not an option. But here's, here's the thing. You don't have to be afraid of that. I mean, some of you, you hear that, you're terrified. You're like, oh, man, I can't give up my privacy. Listen, you don't have to be afraid. This is a beautiful thing, and I hope by the end, I don't know how many sermons this is going to take, but by the, by the time we get to the end of James 5, I hope you'll see the beauty of this. When you think about your church as a body, which body part are you? What's your role? You might think, well, I'm certainly not the brains of the operation. I'm not the mouth. I'm not a preacher. I don't feel like I have a major role, like the heart or the lungs or the right hand or even the left hand. I'm more like uh, a cell. Well, that's fine. You're just a cell. Nothing wrong with that. Next question. Are you functioning as a cell? Each cell gives a little bit of life to the body, and each cell receives life from the body. Each cell makes a tiny contribution, and each cell will die if it gets separated and doesn't receive regular nourishment from the body. Constant giving and constant receiving, both. Never mind how good a job the pastor's doing, or the worship leader, women's ministry leader, nursery workers. What about you? Are you functioning as a cell in the body? Or are you more like a parasite, taking from the body but not giving? Or are you giving but not receiving, like a prosthetic limb? You serve, but you're not connected enough to people to receive a constant flow of life from the body. I know what you receive from the people at church very often doesn't feel like life, but As Christians, we don't determine what's true by how things feel. The Bible says we receive grace from God through the body of Christ, so we believe that. So let's talk to God about that. Heavenly Father, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like the sweet-smelling oil of your presence gushing down from Mount Zion. Teach us to speak the truth in love in all things and grow up into him who is the Christ, the head. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Father, may I be one who is faithfully doing my part. I don't want to be a parasite or a prosthetic. Make me a healthy, thriving organ in the body that both dispenses and receives the life-giving grace that courses through the body of Christ. Forgive me, Lord, for when I have grumbled against your saints in the church. May my speech be edifying, seasoned with salt, that it might build up whoever is around me. Make me faithful in the use of my spiritual gifts, Lord. Just as you trained King David's hands for battle, train my hands to serve your people with the tools you gave me. Thank you for giving me spiritual gifts, Father. I want to be a good steward of them. And teach me how to soak in your grace dispensed through other people's gifts. 
It certainly doesn't happen automatically. So show me how to make sure it happens. Make me receptive. Instead of just taking for granted that's the way people are, let me see your handiwork in making them that way so that my interactions with them not only fortify me and them with grace flowing both directions, but they also increase my delight in you. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.